here we go again. I don't hear either of you. Again. Or myself. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Neon Belly Podcast. We are your hosts, Nate, John, and Brandon doesn't hear us. Everybody. I hear nothing. That's your fault for not getting a new cord. Can't <laughs> help you there, everybody. Sorry. Boys, today we will recap UFC 286, which was headlined by Leon Edwards versus Kamara Usman, and still. Yes, sir. But who should be next? We're going to talk about it. We're also going to get you set up for our picks and predictions, or with our picks and predictions for this Saturday's UFC Fight Night, which is headlined by Marlon Chito Vera versus Corey Sanhagen. And finally, all the news and happenings in the world of mixed martial arts. But first, boys, how are we doing on the 125th episode of the Neon Belly Podcast? The flyweight episode, as mm-hmm. some people are calling it. That's what, that's what some I heard. Some people. Some people. I seen it written on a wall someplace. The flyweight episode. Yep. Yeah. Brandon, can you hear yet? I got it. I'm good. We're good. Can you hear through your headphones, though? I hear the music, but I don't hear your voices. That's, that's interesting. interesting. That's very interesting. I cannot explain that. <laughs> There's no nothing on my end. At least we can hear you. Yeah. Good. That's all that matters. Who's your favorite flyweight? My favorite flyweight? Oh, that's a good question to ask right off the top. I uh, like probably it. Probably Mighty Mouse. All time? Yeah. I mean, he's just the best. It's hard to go against it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is hard to go against it. I'm not going to lie. Boys, we have so much to get to uh, with UFC 286 and then obviously the San Hagen Cheeto fight. So... To get us going, though, before we get into the actual pay-per-view, Brandon, rate, sub, follow, let the people know. Every week we ask you guys to fo- give us a follow and like us and rate and all that stuff that they just said, so I'm going to say it all again like we do every week. So you can catch us on Apple, and that is where you can give us on iTunes um, five-star reviews and written reviews, which we will read out typically when we get those. And then you can also give us a follow on Spotify, and you can give us five stars on there. Mm-hmm. And then also you can catch us on some social media. We're on YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok, and we've got some content up there. We upload clips and videos, so give us a follow and spread the love at neon belly podcast baby let's get it here we go boys ufc 286 live from the o2 arena this past saturday and in our main event and you know what it wasn't a knockout but you know we gotta hit it as leon edwards defeated kamara usman via unanimous decision And the crowd was saying it all night. I loved it. The, I think one of my favorite things was when they're showing Kamara walking out, and right before he walks out, he hits the crowd, and like one guy just yells it, headshot dead, yeah. real loud. And, and everybody like, walks by him, and they're just like putting their fingers uh, to their head, doing the headshot mm-hmm. stuff. Like, I You're love, in enemy territory, love, my boy. Love, love me a UK uh, mixed martial arts pay-per-view. <laughs> uh, but man, let's get to the fight because this was just such a high, high level mixed martial arts fight. Um, but really to me, um, what this whole fight came down to in this moment was just a phenomenal game plan by Rocky Edwards, um, mm-hmm. utilizing that left body kick because everybody in that building and everybody watching, including Kamara Usman, knew that that left high kick was going <laughs> to come. It was coming. Um, so I think because Usman, you know, didn't want it to land again, uh, he just really didn't do much to protect that body and almost seemed willing to concede that body mm-hmm. kick um, in spite of not allowing that head kick to land. But also, you know, Leon going to the legs, especially Kamara's left leg, you know, that thing was pretty ate up by that fifth round. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a good read to me because it seemed like every time um, that uh, Usman was fighting with that lead, le- that left leg forward, he wanted to shoot. That's he mm-hmm. was kind of that's when he was going for his takedowns. And that's just a good read by Leon and his team, man, because every time uh, I felt like Usman went to that um, that stance with that lead leg forward that he just started lighting that leg up. Um, but to me, really, it just shows that between these two fights, he's the guy who made the biggest adjustments. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And he deserves, in my opinion, so much credit for that. Just a phenomenal uh, performance by Leon Edwards and a great performance by Kamara Usman. I mean, this mm-hmm. wasn't like a wash, you know, and it wasn't like an injured Usman or anything. I mean, this was, it was just a great fight. Two pound per pound guys going at it, man. So good. Go ahead. Yeah. Let's, so, act, let's be excited, boys. This yeah. is a phenomenal <laughs> fight. Just Come on. Let him go ahead and get. Go ahead and get yeah, it so the big thing for me was the the anti wrestling, I guess you could say, from uh, from Leon. Like it, 
the this fight I expected a lot of wrestling from Usman, but you almost didn't see it just because the few times that it was engaged, Leon just kind of had every answer. He was able to stand up when he wanted and disengage when he wanted, yeah. which kind of forced Usman to be on the feet a lot more. And I just, I don't know, I was just blown away by that um, because I expected, like I said, a lot more wrestling from Usman, but it just was mm. to no avail. Like it mm-hmm. just, like you said, Leon made the better adjustments throughout the whole fight and, and it really showed. Yeah, I feel like, and I with that real quick, I do feel like Usman wanted to wrestle. I don't think this was like uh, he got away from it, you know, or was, I just think Leon did such a good job defending every single takedown. And then even when he was taken down, being able to get back up mm-hmm. with ease. Yeah, did a really great job of controlling that outside hand when he was trying to finish the takedowns, yeah. used two-on-ones to get up. Every time they were in a clinch, he was throwing a knee and landing it, whether it's to the body yeah. or the head. Yeah. Um, I mean, he pretty much won almost every position you could want. Um, did a really good job with the distance. Like you said, the leg kicks and poking at that knee just really started doing a number. Yeah. And he, you know, a couple of those high kicks almost got through. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, because at, at a certain point, no matter how much you want to kind of give up that body, your arms are going to start creeping down. And I just think he really pushed through and really, you know, whereas the last fight you might have seen him kind of like lay off the gas a little bit and have to get gas back up. I think that London crowd had him pushing through and even through the fifth because I personally thought before, without the uh, fence grab point takeaway, you know, there's a good chance Leon could have won at least four or more of those rounds, um, depending on how you viewed it. So I thought it was just a really great performance by Leon and uh, what a way to end a trilogy. Yeah, we and we I think we have to talk about the point being taken by Herb Dean in that third round for the cage grab by Leon uh, because it did make, I mean, going into the decision, mm-hmm. I had no idea at that point what was going to happen because of that point. Um, and fair play because I feel like Herb, you know, that was like Leon's fourth foul in that fight up to that point. Um, and, and I mean, I heard Herb Dean one one time audibly say leave me out of this keep right. me out of it like you know whatever you know what i mean so um but i did think the point was fair to take mm-hmm. i mean that was a pretty blatant and i think he did it like two two or three times in that one sequence um to keep usman from pulling him off the cage and getting the takedown um but man like i said going into that decision i will be honest i thought we were heading to a draw uh so what was your guys kind of thoughts on the point and uh did you think leon did enough to get the decision there or did you think we were heading towards a draw i thought it was going to be a draw I really did, and because there, there were so many close rounds in this mm-hmm. fight too. I would, yeah, I wouldn't have been surprised. If it was <laughs> I need to finagle with it, guys. We promise, Brandon. I, I think I could play the audio from last week. Right, so I'm gonna, it this week. I'm gonna get a new cord this week. Yeah, I, promise. I know. Sorry, guys. Right, you're good. Um, I would say that. Uh, <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah, I would say. Um, what was the question? Jeez, <laughs> for the for getting pointed, I get it. Um, I, I once again is if that's going to be the thing now, then great. Just make sure you do it for everybody. I agree, man, especially because, after last week. Yeah. We saw it happen. We well, there was a point. To be fair, I think it was was it, uh, Keith Peterson that took the point last week mm-hmm. um, in the Davy Grant fight. Um, so there are refs that do it, but I think and this is the conversation we had last week. Is it? It just needs to be like set we just need to make mm-hmm. it like hey if you do it it's a point you know no like um what's that word that i'm looking for just uh it just shouldn't be any objectiveness to it. you know right. it just or the referee's discretion there you go yeah. it just it should just be a point i think that's mm-hmm. the easiest way to settle it but especially when it's that blatant as well and herb dean give him credit he did stand there and watch the replay right. too which is another thing like why don't we have instant yeah because he was the first thing i think he's saying it's going to be a really really hard warning and then after he watched it again i was like okay i have to take a point yeah because there was a point where his hand came out and it went back in um and i mean credit to leon for knowing that hey i'm in a situation to work because i felt like they both went at it very hard yeah. until the very end but for him especially he knew he had to go very very hard in those championship rounds because it sure. could very well have been tied in that situation the only thing i'll say to that the the fence grab is i i agree with the point being taken away and the implications of that but I, there was at least two times where usman had leon down dead to rights and it just didn't matter leon was able to get up and it really just mm-hmm. didn't seem to have a big effect on the fight so i just personally don't feel like in this specific fight instance which we can't apply this to every fight sure. right that it really did, wouldn't have had big implications anyway had he gotten mm-hmm. leon down it would have been another takedown but he lost the point anyways so sure. yeah. I, don't and I think dc was saying something about how he should get the position back and the point yeah and i think we have to make a distinction on that as well depending on where the position is at kind of how we thought with the sun south fight where it's like well i don't even know if that's a, a really great position by the time the foul came in um that's just something we have to look at but like i said earlier i thought leon had won 
um, almost a majority of the rounds, at least four to me. Well, yeah, it didn't help that third round. I thought he lost that round, you know, so then it's 10-8, and then it's like, boy, if Kamara just wins one more round in this fight, you know, and then Leon kind of wins the rest of it, like, this mm -hmm. is going to be at least a draw, and that's kind of where I thought we were heading. Like, me and you were sitting there, John, trying to, like, do the math, like, all right. right. So this plus round, two plus yeah, three. <laughs> like, before they read the decision, and we pretty much concluded – like mathematically, I don't know how we did it on the fly, but that it was either going to be Leon or a draw. Yeah, like, Leon by there was one either, or a draw. There was no way that Kamaru had won that fight. And I instantly told you it would have been interesting had it been a draw because it would have led us into the quad trilogy or quad, yeah. whatever. Another one of those. A quad. And mm -hmm. it's like, of course they're going to do it because they've already proven now with Figueredo and Moreno that they're willing to do that, mm -hmm. you know, especially if a draw. Um, happens, which happened in that situation. So I'm like, boy, we're going to get a fourth fight out of these guys. And you start thinking about the rest of the division. And, and it's like, man, mm -hmm. I hate to see it get held up again. I mean, the great fights every time these guys go mm -hmm. or whatever. But, um, but before we get to what's next, I guess one thing I do want to say is like Leon is now unbeaten in 12 fights. He does have the draw in there with Bilal. Um, but his last loss was to Kamara Usman in 2015. Mm -hmm. And if I told you guys back then, after that fight in 2015, that these guys were going to have a trilogy, they were going to fight two more times, there's no way after that mm -hmm. fight back then that you would have thought that Leon not only would be the winner of the best of three series between those guys, but probably would have never predicted um, that he would even maybe even have a head-to-head -head win against Kamara Usman, or maybe that he'd even ever be world champion, you know? Right. So, you know, I guess... I guess I don't really know where I want to go with all that, but I just think it deserves so much credit from Leon um, and just all that he's done since that loss in his career. Mm -hmm. and, and even coming through some really tough injuries and different situations like with COVID. Remember, Being he was stuck overseas. The, yeah, this fight that he was supposed to get his kind of like number one contender and it fell through. And then Dana White pulling him from the rankings for inactivity when he's like, dude, I can't, you know, there's right. not much I can do about it. And then there was the whole thing where it's like, well, Dana was like saying he wasn't accepting fights or whatever i don't even know but you mm -hmm. know just the fact that um he's where he is today man just couldn't be more happy for a guy like that and, oh, and just yeah. like i said to go back i went back after last night and i actually watched that fight from 2015 and i mean not that it was like a complete wash but i mean yeah did just every time kamara took him down there was just yeah. really nothing that leon could do and so just to see where we are today like i said man it's just even since 2015 let alone the last fight you can see the progress that leon's made and it's just mm -hmm. it's awesome man. well and we've never we've never seen to me to my, to my knowledge from what i remember we've never seen somebody do some of the things leon was doing to kamaru yeah whether it was stifling his power not being there for the big punches being in and out i mean uh winning clinch battles I think you could just really see Usman thinking. Yeah. Like, like he just... That he head kick, man, you can never forget getting knocked out like that. Yeah, he just never seemed, like, super comfortable, you and know? Leon's jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Yeah, to me, and I'm going to go back to this, yeah. when, Us when Usman was engaging in the wrestling and the grappling at all, whether it was on the fence or the out-in-the-open takedowns, Leon just had an answer, and it just mm -hmm. that we know how much that tires people out, even people who are good at wrestling. And sure. to me, it just seemed like Usman was realizing man I, he just kind of has an answer for me here and that was it was just tough to deal with and let's not forget kamara uzman was recently the pound for pound number one fighter one yeah. of the greatest welterweights ever went on this amazing streak as well um and, and for leon to kind of follow him up on that that journey and get better and get to the point where he is now just kind of just adds to that rocky story no i agree so we have to discuss what's next right because it's mm -hmm. kind of the biggest storyline i feel like once you're past the fight, past everything else, is what's next? So, for starters, um, let's hear what Dana White had to say after the fight last night. We had Colby Covington cage side. He wants to fight Leon in July. I'm curious if that's a fight you're interested in, or do you need to see how it plays out? Yeah, I don't know when we'll do it, but yeah, that's the fight that makes sense. And Colby came here and cut weight, you know, and and did everything to to be here for this fight. He deserves the fight. So it's Leon Edwards. Versus Not to mention the fact that he's, you know. You know, the second or third best guy in the world. So it is Leon versus Colby next. Yeah. So it sounds like Colby is next. Um, mm -hmm. As Dana said there, Colby did weigh in as the backup fighter for this match, was in attendance. Um, 
this is the one that I really hope we don't see. And I can say sitting here on a Sunday, everyone that I've seen across all social media platforms unanimously, unanimously, forgive me, uh, feels this way except for mm-hmm. Colby Covington and Dana White, right? Um, including the champion himself, Leon Edwards. So um, that's what Dana had to say. And then uh, Leon went up after Dana. And this is what Leon had to say about a potential match against Colby Covington. Dana was just up here and he said it's definitely going to be Colby for you next. Give us your thoughts on that. I don't know how that makes sense, you know. Um, yeah, the for, for for over a year and a half, um, sat out, not injured. I just don't get how he just slides in for the for the world title shot when there's other guys in the division that's been active, been fighting, didn't sit out. Um, so yeah, like I said, I'm the king now. I've earned my way, you know. So I, I feel like I should decide um, who's next. So the champ has spoken. So what do you guys think about Dana White confirming Colby Covington will be next for Leon Edwards? I think it's a a, a weird call for somebody who doesn't make fight calls right after a fight. Um, yeah, that's a good point. And, and not only that, so does Sergey Pavlovich get the next title fight? Because he came in and weighed in and was on weight, yeah. and he's one of the top guys in the world. Like, and actually on a win streak. Right. You're, you're just setting this weird precedence <laughs> yeah. where it's like none of this matters. It's yeah. about who I want in there. And that's sure. that can get very very uh, annoying so that being said I, I completely agree but my question is still i don't understand i guess i don't understand why i yeah. still don't get the why sure uh, I, I mean i don't either he's I, he's been out for a year um he's two and two in his last four with those two losses being to usman who leon has now just beat consecutively twice um the two wins being woodley and masvidal take that as for what it is given where both guys were at in their career um i just think the welterweight landscape is so different now even in the year since colby's been out and we have to see colby facing one of these top contenders mm-hmm. you know um also worth mentioning leon said he thinks uh the masvidal fight is big with the storyline uh mentioned Bilal muhammad and as quoted as saying you know since he's actually been fighting and been active you mm-hmm. know for the past year so um yeah i just feel like this is one where the UFC um, should listen to not just the fans, but also more importantly, listen to their champion because he's speaking facts, right? right? I mean, and he's saying what he wants and, and he deserves that having just beat the guy that he just beat back to back and um, read the room. You know, that's kind of yeah. all I have to say. Nobody, nobody today is calling for that fight with mm-hmm. Colby. No, and, and you just, like I said, you're just setting up this situation to where it's like if you're the, you know, if you're Dana's favorite, maybe you get a better chance than other people. Sure. And for somebody like a Bilal Muhammad who's done nothing but beat all the toughest guys in the division and even, you know, Gilbert Burns, um, Shavkat, like there's mm-hmm. these guys who have just been doing so well in the division and fighting anybody who steps up. And you have Colby Covington who made weight for this title fight who – Supposedly got offered Bilal Muhammad for that same card yeah. and said he didn't want and it. And Bilal had receipts, boy. He right. pulled up the text messages. Yeah, yeah. So if you're ready to fight, why don't you fight this guy yeah. who's ready? I mean, I, it is baffling, man, when you yeah. go through Colby's record. And um, I, I mean, credit to him. He, he was on a nice streak. But just in terms of like what I think a lot of us as fight fans would see as, um, I don't want to use the word talent, but just strength of schedule, difficulty. He made a big jump. You know, with the Woodley, obviously, and and mm-hmm. that, that hey, fair to him, their fair fair play. That was a great win over Woodley, um, who you know maybe hasn't aged well, but at the time that was impressive, right? Even still, we didn't really fully know the full landscape of where mm-hmm. Woodley's career was at the time. Um, but then, yeah, losing to Usman, it was a close fight. Um, then beating Masvidal, Usman. I mean, it just. It just it, there's like I said, the landscape even is yeah. just so much different. Your, your best wins are guys who are not in the UFC anymore, yeah. or are not, or outside RDA. of Usman, are not in the top ten right now, yeah. or top five. Like I don't know, it's just it's frustrating for the guys that we know who've been working really hard. And I know Covington sells fights. I get it. He does his promos and all this other stuff. But yeah. as a fan, I, it's just not something I'm interested yeah. in. And even stylistically, what he's so similar to Usman. Sure. What does he offer to Leon that's different? Right. Right. Well, and that's the thing, you know, like I said, that's why I made it a point to say, like, he's lost twice to the guy that Leon just beat twice. And, and yeah, when you look at that stylistically, it's like, I mean, especially this last fight. Yeah. The first fight or the second fight, you could say, oh, well, he was able to take him down and hold him. Colby can do that, too. But this second or this third fight showed that that's not necessarily the same. Wrinkle. Sure. So if not Colby, I guess let's just kind of real quick run through the other options because you have obviously the winner of Burns and Masvidal. Either guy um, could be deserving, especially Gilbert Burns with a win. But even more so, I think Jorge Masvidal. Um, 
as as maybe Conor McGregor-ish as that is, but you have that three-piece in a soda storyline mm-hmm. that would be fun to pay off after all these years. You know, it should have happened a long time ago. Obviously, a lot of those difficulties with Leon that we were talking about where he couldn't fight and stuff prevented it. Um, but then for me, um, if they didn't go the Burns-Masvidal option, I think, to me, the no-brainer, and in my opinion, the guy that it should be is Bilal Muhammad, mm-hmm. who was unbeaten in his last nine. Um, he also just beat the undefeated Sean Brady, so he's just not coming off a streak, but he just beat a guy that was undefeated. Mm-hmm. Um, and him and Leon have a storyline there, right? They fought. The fight ended due to no contest because Leon poked uh, Bilal's eyes, and that ended the fight in, like, not even a minute or two, I don't mm-hmm. think. Right. Um, so there is a bit of storyline there between those two. Um, I don't know. Do do any of those? You, I guess I can say too. You also had Islam Akhachev, um saying that he wants to fight him in October. October, um, but Islam just held up the division with a super fight. And I, and I know here you could say like you know I'm kind of playing both sides because I said we should always support super fights, and I do still stand behind that theory. Um, but he just had one, and it's like we can't hold up the lightweight division of all divisions, right? right? Especially when you're going to be out that whole time for Ramadan. Like, sure. It's not like you can sneak one in before that. Right, right. So I guess out of all those options, I guess including Islam, if you want to see it, that's fair. I, I can say this. I'd rather him hold up the division and see that fight than Colby. Mm-hmm. Um, but do any of those stand out to you guys? 100%. No. I said below 100%. Yeah, yeah I agree. I mean, yeah, you also have uh, Connor who said if he wins, he wants a title shot. That yeah. sells in Europe as well. But, you know, sure. I think it's below. I mean, if you look at body of work and yeah. even the storyline, it just makes more sense than Covington and, and it, it anybody does. else, really. Yeah. Except yeah. for Masvidal. I could make an exception for the storyline and sure. the selling of that. But if you just look at what they've done in the past, even three, four fights, it's not even close. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just the Colby thing, even like, I mean, it's Colby. But like you said, I mean, he's good at selling fights, but there's nothing there. I mean, I feel like him and Leon had a little thing for a while, and then, I mean, Colby's been quiet for like a year, so it's not like he's been yeah. like selling himself. I mean, he is now. He's going to be now, I'm sure, mm-hmm. but I hate that fight, and like I said, if there's one time, um, kind of like the main event we're going to get to here in a minute where the UFC just needs to listen to everybody else, I feel like this is like one of those times, man, because mm-hmm. nobody's calling for it. Uh, before we move on from this main event, though, one last thing I do want to say is I question win or lose if we would see Kamaru Usman again, he made it very clear that he's mm-hmm. coming back. He's going nowhere. Interesting call to me. I mean, I'm here for it. Um, but to me, I guess the biggest thing is, I think the question of what do you do with Kamaru Usman next is just as intriguing as Leon. I mean, who do you, I mean, do you give him Shavkat? I, I mean, do you, I, I, I think mean, that's the move. I don't know who you give him, man. Do you, if, I guess if they go forward with this Colby thing, do you give Usman, um, Bilal, I don't know, man. It is going to be to me that is just because we don't know this Kamara Usman, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we know Kamara before he was the champion, but I mean, this is just going to be to see him in this place now. It's been so mm-hmm. long, right, to see him trying to be a contender again. It's like I think that's an interesting aspect. I would be interested to see how many more fights he has on his contract because maybe he's know. just trying to get through that. Because I mean, we've seen we've, we talked about the knees, sure. he got that knee kicked a lot in this last yeah. fight. Like, who knows how quick he can even turn around, even though he said he doesn't want to yeah. sit too much, he's got to listen to his body. Too. Nate, what makes you say you're so you're you're pretty confident you're not going to see him again? The knees, man. I mean, you mm. just you hear those stories and things of like people that have trained with him. I sent you guys that video when he arrived to the arena last night. They posted a video of him getting out of his car. Um, and he gets out of the car and like his first four or five steps were Gingerly. just very well he was limping i mean very noticeably and i know that right i mean i work in a factory on my feet all day every guy in there has bad knees Mm -hmm. (laughs) and when they stand up that's what they do right and you know just from you know he was probably in that car for a minute you know whatever you stand up and it just i just you can't deny how bad the knees are and and then i also thought too like even if coming off of the loss the two losses what more does kamara usman have to prove right i mean what that guy has done he's still he didn't do enough if he left today to pass GSP as the greatest welterweight of all time, but came pretty darn close. Right. I mean, and and there is no shame in that with how high GSP has set that bar, in my mm-hmm. opinion. So I just thought, like, I mean, not even just with mixed martial arts, but with wrestling, this dude just had such a long combat career, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's been competing in, in some form of, of combat sports. Um, so, yeah, I, just, I was just kind of thought that, you know, given the age and what he's accomplished – 
I do really think if he would have won, I would have been interested to see if he came back. Mm-hmm. Though. Yeah, as but. it got to the fifth round, I said the same thing when we were watching it. Is I felt like, especially as like laboring as this fight was for him. I mean, I mean, it was a good fight, but it's like this isn't the fight we're used to seeing from Kamara Usman. Mm-hmm. And gra- granted, that also goes to Leon just being a really great fighter himself. But it just felt like it was like this is the moment. You know, you pass the torch and you could you could definitely go out. But if he still has the drive to keep doing it, and there's a there's a new fire there. I mean, he kind of helps some of these guys like a Shavkat or somebody who maybe needs another win, yeah, obviously, to get to this title. And, and even with the loss, like, it, it could take him two to three fights to get back, especially if Leon holds on to the belt. Right. I mean, I don't think they're exactly going to rush to do that fourth fight. I mean, we're sitting here talking about three, four, maybe five guys mm-hmm. that potentially could be ready for a title shot. And it's like, I mean, yeah, I guess Usman would deserve some priority given what he's done. But, like, it, it could take – we might see Kamara Usman fight twice before he even gets back to a title especially like i said if leon is champion so and then there becomes the question of like does he really want to do two or three more fight camps and put his body through it i mean like i said that and i'm none of that i hope comes across as like downing him or being because i i mean i just think he's tough as nail and he's just Mm -hmm. he's so so good man but like we see man everybody catches up at some point and whether it's that and that's the thing, too. I don't want to take so much away from Leon, whether time kind of caught up to Kamaru or whatever. But, mm-hmm. I mean, because I still think Leon made tons of improvements. We yeah. saw that. But, yeah, man, I don't know. It's just going to be interesting, like I said, to see now moving forward this new version of Usman and, and where his career is headed. And there's no easy fights in that top top no. five, top ten. No. That's what I'm saying. It's like, does he really want to go through that? I mean, that division just keeps getting stronger. So, mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting. Boys, in the co-main event, Justin Gaethje defeating Rafael Faiziv via majority decision. One judge scoring this a draw. Um, a, we'll get to the scorecards atrocious. Um, but this fight uh, was also just the chef's kiss. Uh, such mm-hmm. a highly contested stand-up battle. Faiziv got off to a great start in that first round and was just really using his speed and footwork to give Justin Gaethje problems. Gave him all he could handle. He was almost freezing Justin a lot mm-hmm. of times um, just with the speed and footwork kind of just not being available to be hit there. Um, then you got a really close second round. I mean, that second round, in my opinion, could have went either way. I did give it to Faiziv personally. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, that round should have decided it because in the third round, it was all Gaethje in my opinion. He beat up Faiziv pretty bad in that round I mean you could see it on Faiziv's face by the end of the fight um I think Rafael just got a little tired um there uh, in that third round and then mm-hmm. you know once the footwork and the speed kind of slowed for Faiziv um the defense just disappeared a little mm-hmm. bit um and <laughs> In that third round, Justin Gaethje even got his first ever UFC takedown. <laughs> so uh, so that, that was his first? Yeah, yep. first wow, ever. Yeah, As we said, so people can shut up now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, like I said, I I thought 29-28 Faiziv at the end. I thought he did just enough to edge that second round. I definitely didn't see a 10-8 in that third uh, round for Gaethje. Luckily, that did not matter in the end. Um, and even as we sit here today, I will say, I still think Rafael Faiziv is the best striker in this division. Mm-hmm. Um, but none of that matters, obviously, today because because Justin Gaethje wins. He gets to stay on top of this division and has a chance to make another run at the title. Um, and I don't want to take away from what Justin did, but like I said, the judging was just atrocious. All three judges turning in completely different scorecards. I don't know if you guys saw the scorecards, yeah. but pretty crazy. Your guys' thoughts, though. No, I, I agree with you. I thought Faiziv had had done enough, and I thought that that third round, um, Gaethje definitely showed the, his cardio um, and yeah. the shape he was in, especially for putting on muscle, you said. Like, he did look a little bit yeah. bigger and more filled out. Um, but I did think that it took him a minute to kind of start landing the stuff he usually lands, and sure. it was Faiziv slowing down because I thought the first round he was just – way too fast and was just in and out of the way um did a lot of great body kicks throughout the whole fight um yeah. i thought eventually that would wear Gaethje down a little bit more but he actually stayed through the whole um, yeah. third round going well but um yeah i mean it's, it reminds me a lot of the chandler fight where i felt like you know depending on how you're watching this this could go either way sure. and, and just kind of like that it went to Gaethje. but i don't think faziv loses any stock in this at all yeah yeah, for me, the big thing that stood out was you see the damage that was worn by Faiziv right on his mm-hmm. face. He was cut. I don't remember the last time Gaethje got cut yeah. in this fight. So I, it almost seemed yeah. a little unfair because Faiziv sure. was cracking Gaethje. Um, mm-hmm. But if you just looked at them after the fights, you would not have guessed yeah. that it 
it was Faisi who had a lot of the success earlier in that first and <clears throat> most of that second round. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I leaned Faisi and I thought it was a fantastic. I think Faisi is the better striker. I think yeah. that's obvious to oh, say. Yeah. Um, but like you guys said, third round was all Gagey. Not a ten eight, but all yeah, Gagey. Joe, that was terrible. I mean, I don't know how you watch that. And I mean, even the first like minute of that fight, I feel like was Faisi winning that fight that third round. Yeah, it was a weird one though because like I did feel like Faisi was just winning the fight i guess i don't have any mm -hmm. other way of saying it but then like at by the third round i think i told you john i'm like you know what justin gaethje might be winning this fight <laughs> like it was just so weird man but it was just such a high level mm -hmm. uh chess match and, and both guys doing and i do a phenomenal job of getting their games off i was just super impressed with justin's patience and sticking to his game plan you know he didn't allow himself to get super emotional and super wild or in the moment especially when that crowd was really behind him right and that's when the crowd gets going crazy, so does Justin Gaethje's hands. Mm -hmm. And and, um, and maybe it wasn't the big highlight knockout from him or wild slugfest um, that's just so fun and impressive in its own right. But to me, it was just one of the most impressive and complete Justin Gaethje performances that I can recall seeing personally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I, I think that... You know he did he did do a really good job of keeping things reined in because it's not hard to get into sure. um, a, a brawl with Faizev. He's just that type of guy, and I think both of them appreciated each other as an opponent to be able to just really showcase what they're great at. Yeah. And biggest takeaway for me was just Justin said in his post fight, um, he's not going to be around much longer, and that essentially he wants to make one more run at the title. Um, to me, that's that says if he loses, he's probably done. Mm -hmm. um, so next loss, he's out before before he gets a title shot, obviously, um, which is something we've known for a while. He's not been shy about saying that. Um, he's been pretty open about it. So it will be interesting to see how he looks, you know, moving forward. Um, he said uh, he really thinks and hopes Benil uh, wins. Uh, mm -hmm. His next fight, um, but he said, you know, the Oliveira rematch is something, the Dustin Poirier rematch or is something. And hey, man, like I said, we've been pretty critical about them not giving guys chances to turn over the top of this division. Here is a chance, and Faisib just didn't get it done for regardless of what we think. It was mm -hmm. a close fight, but uh, Gaethje proven that he still belongs up there. And if that results in more of the same matchups that we've kind of been wanting to get away from, like we can't be mad because Faisib had the chance to kind of crack in there and. Whether we think he did or not, like I said, right, yeah. you know, he still he didn't, can't leave it to the judges. Could have finished, right, yeah. right, right. So because he he had Justin rocked really bad, sure. Um, and I think another good thing for Gaethje, I was just kind of remembering back is getting back to those leg kicks. Yeah, he yeah, landed yeah. some big. He, I mean, he turned Fizeev a couple times, or especially so. in that first round, the very he first one he threw. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, that was heavy. But I told John like Fizeev trains a tiger. They like kick down like oak trees and stuff yeah. over there or something. You, <laughs> you gotta know, kick like, down seven bamboo shoots before you can come in the gym. Yeah, you just gotta pray for drop foot on a guy like Faizeev, I think. Mm -hmm. Boys, our next fight, Gunner Nelson. He's back. Yes, sir. Defeating Brian Barberina. And boys, I think if I'm Gunner Nelson, Gunner Nelson, excuse me, that's exactly how you draw it up. Mm -hmm. uh, stayed patient on the feet, closed the distance on the cage, get, get uh, ooh, ooh, got to his <laughs> takedown. Uh, beautiful transitioning there from Gunner Nelson on the ground as well. I thought every position um, that he found himself in on the ground, he just took his time with it, did a good job utilizing elbows and ground and pound to kind of soften Barberina up and, and get what he wanted in the end and that was that armbar finish he now moves to two straight victories um it's it's awesome man this is a guy where you just kind of always can't help but root for a guy mm -hmm. like gunner nelson um who's had his fair share of injury injury challenges and was a guy you know when he came and started coming you you know a lot of people thought oh this guy's gonna fight for a title soon or one day you know mm -hmm. so big win for him there being attached to connor and stuff also kind of got i think kind of brought people up to yeah. him um i don't know if you've seen that he talked about like the reason why he was out for so long was that grappling match with he did with the mountain where yeah. it like, broke his mm -hmm. ribs or yeah it really met I, was it ribs or his neck he said it was ribs okay. uh he said he was sitting there and he kind of felt the top right of his chest kind of inflame yeah. a little bit and he kept going with them yeah. it's like yeah some things just aren't worth it been there yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, great performance for him. Very patient. And I mean, Barbarina has been a menace for some of these uh, guys yeah. in that division. So yeah, these are the guys. And that's why it's a good win for Gunnar Nelson, because these are the guys that Brian Barbarina does tend to do really well against. And, mm -hmm. you know, Gunnar Nelson, I think proving at least for now that he's above that class, you mm -hmm. know, and, and I mean, I don't know what this, the ceiling is for him, you know, how far, I mean, this is a tough, tough division, right? Mm -hmm. This 170, we were just talking about it. So it's going to be interesting to see though, uh, what they do with him next. The next fight boys, Jennifer Maya defeating 
Casey O'Neill via unanimous decision. What a phenomenal performance by Jennifer Maya uh, to hand Casey O'Neill her first professional mixed martial arts loss. Uh, the counter striking was just on point mm-hmm. for Jennifer Maya in this fight. Casey O'Neill just could not find her way to the inside. Um, every time that she would come into range, Maya would just explode with like a three, four punch combo. Um, and they were just stinging Casey yeah. O'Neill every time she came in. Uh, really, you could kind of see her confidence dwindle. You know, even when Casey would get to the inside, she just almost was afraid to throw. You could tell because mm-hmm. uh, she didn't want to get hit. Um, she did do a good job, Casey O'Neill, in that third round, landed the bigger shots. I thought she did win that third round. It was just a little bit too uh, little too late. Yeah, I got a little desperate and just started letting go. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that is a huge win, though, for Jennifer Maya, who was mm-hmm. a former title challenger um, who is now also on a two-fight win streak. Yeah, that jab uppercut was Whew. was just knocking her head around the all night. The whole time. And I didn't, I didn't think um, that was what we were going to get from Maya. I thought Casey O'Neill was going to be able to put some strikes together, but every time, like you said, every time she went to try to set something up, she ate two or three things and had to you know, try again, try again, and it just was not there. And Jennifer Maya just had that. Once she started laying in that, you could see the confidence and the energy, and she just rode that all the way through. Agreed. Boys, last result we're going to get to on the main card, Marvin Vittori defeating Roman Dolidze via unanimous decision. Um, I thought this was a close and competitive fight. I definitely gave Vittori round two, but I felt one and three were really close. Uh, watching, I did give round one to Dolidze and then felt like the third really could have went either way. Um, but this kind of what this is kind of what I thought we'd see in this fight, as I kind of said last week, is I felt a clean technical striking performance would get it done for Marvin Vittori on the feet. Um, And he continues to solidify himself as the best of the rest in this middleweight division. Um, Your guys' thoughts on this fight, Brandon? Start with you. Well, I don't know if I'd use the words clean and technical. Really? To me, no. To me, the whole fight seemed like he had the better power shots. I mean, especially Roman, like he was really dipping his head and just throwing that right. Um, Vittori... There is a point in the fight where you see Vittori backing out like this, and it just looked very uh, kind of all over the place. And the commentary team said, "Oh, the good evasive movement by Vittori," and I was just like, "Really? Like, this just—it <laughs> just seemed like two guys." I sent you guys the message: two guys just kind of in there brawling. And I yeah. thought of the two, I thought Roman looked a bit more technical. He was consistently walking Vittori down. He landed the bigger shots of the fight. And um, Vittori doesn't really get hurt. I mean, he's no. got a head that's just a cinder block. Yeah. And there was at least two occasions in that fight where you could kind of tell he was stung a little bit. It wasn't rocked, really, but mm-hmm. he was not feeling good either. And, um, yeah, so I I let Roman. I, I leaned towards him. I didn't think he ran away with it. I could see why people went Vittori. But uh, yeah. not, not the best fight on the card, I'd say. Definitely didn't run away with it, I would agree. I guess I just saw Dolidze definitely had the bigger power shots, landed the biggest shots. Um but they were just kind of one punches as to where I feel like Vittori did put together better combos, when mm-hmm. he, especially when he was coming forward and um, circling and stuff like that. But, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I could kind of get behind what you're saying a little bit. Like I said, because I, I do think at least as far as the visuals, as Dalide did land the bigger shots. That's why I said some of those rounds were so close. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, and, and I think that for Vittori, I think he's proven that if you can't do something better than gotta him, gotta finish him, man. Yeah, like you have to be able to hold him. You have yeah. to be able to outstrike him and not let him hit you. Like there has to be something yeah. to it because he doesn't knock people out. Right. But he's always there. Yeah. He's gonna keep coming forward. Yeah. Keep throwing punches. Keep eating your shots. Yeah. Um. And I think Roman kind of kind of fell off the gas a little bit in that mm-hmm. third. Um. I definitely didn't see a thirty twenty seven no. for Marvin. That's mm-hmm. the same judge who gave Gaethje a ten eight. Yeah. So that, like Paul Paul Sutherland. Sutherland. Yeah. yeah. God, that guy. But you know, I, and I think this is another instance of you know. Vittori did I think it's a almost a veteran thing where he just knows like I gotta just keep going it's only three yeah. rounds I know I can do this and I think Roman just kind of teetered off a little bit but I feel like there's so much tape on Marvin Vittori that that's what he's gonna do yeah like, that's what he does and he is so tough and he's so hard to finish he he doesn't excel or exceed anywhere but he's decent yeah. kind of everywhere right and it's like he is a t- he's gonna be a tough fight for everybody and that's what I said that's why he continues to kind of like I said Pereira Adesanya Whitaker have kind of set themselves a far little bit higher than the rest of this division but right under them is Vittorian until somebody can come and knock him off that pedestal of where he's sitting because those are the only guys other than Pareda you know 
So it's kind of tough. Um, John, you brought up Marvin versus Jan- Jared Cannonier next. Mm-hmm. I think that makes a ton of sense. The only other person that I've thought since we, you know, a little bit removed now from the fight is maybe Drikas Duplessis. Yeah. Um, but Cannonier and Vittoria have never fought. I think they're ranked like three and four or something mm-hmm. like that. So I, I do think that makes a ton of sense. Um, but I just told you too, like Cannonier has a tendency to kind of fight a fight like Delite did last night, right? right? Where we could see, and I told you, I could see that fight being a main event of a fight night and it's going to go to decision and somehow Vittoria, you know what I mean? Yeah. Cause Cannonier, go ahead, Rainer. Is Strickland booked? No. Well, they're buddies too. I don't. I don't know. You did bring up a good point. That John uh-huh. said he because they train together. Uh, I didn't think uh, he just moved to Extreme Couture. But John did say like you thought they would definitely yeah. probably fight each well, other. I think, I think they both have. I think especially Strickland has a personality where he would fight his dad probably in the cage. Like, <laughs> yeah. But you know there is some there is some movement coming. We'll talk about it in the news in the division and. Um, yeah, you can't have that many both. Uh, I guess middleweights at that gym though, that Extreme Couture, yeah. and not expect to like. That conversation has to come yeah. up how they would handle it. And Delite left. I mean, yeah. he went to he. I think he went to Tiger and trained for this camp. Well, so. I don't understand why Marvin Vittori went from a camp with a high ranked middleweight to another camp with another high ranked. I mean, I guess you're getting a good oh, sparring partner, but maybe um, just get a fresh look. I mean, it's not. I don't think it's the worst yeah. thing, and a lot of guys are doing that now. So I just don't see why Roman didn't try to get to more like clinch and takedown yeah. positions because I felt like that's where he had the advantage. But I think these guys see Marvin Vittori get hit and they feel like they can be the ones to knock yeah. him out until they realize he does that they get can. hit a lot yeah because yeah. you you would think as much as he gets hit oh well if i hit him with my yeah. good stuff it'll work and it just just has not worked for yeah. paula costa whitaker you know now roman deludes a izzy like it's just something that he has a well, brick head. That, i think it's just more where the talent is in the division and not like lack of talent but just the, the, there's not a ton of like heavy wrestlers that's why a guy like bo nickel does make this division interesting because like i said I didn't name names, but I said I think with Bo's style, there is guys in the top 10 that he could probably beat right now. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying Marvin Vittori is one of them, but if he could get him down and submit him, it's like that would be interesting, right? right. It would be an interesting matchup for that reason. Only other result that I want to mention um, is Mohamed Mokhaev, uh winning his fight, remains undefeated in the flyweight division. Did you guys see the knee bar? Yeah. You didn't see it, Brandon? No. Nope. Oh, Have goodness. you ever seen um, somebody try to make a bow and arrow out of wood where they just bend it oh. and they try to get the string in? Ooh. That's yeah. what happened to this man. I leg. saw a picture mm. where somebody took like a what is considered to be like a perfect circle and mm-hmm. all the, I don't know. I'm, like I'm terrible at geometry. Yeah. And literally, like Mokhaev's body up the knee was like a perfect circle. I mean, it is mm. disgusting. He literally said, I was waiting for my knee to rip off. So did it break? No, I. Well, he. I don't. He's here. So he, this is what I wanted to bring up about it because I have been put in knee bars where I did tap. It's not like I didn't tap, but like when knee bars are tight and they come fast. I mean, dude, I like you. You limp for like three days, mm-hmm. and then this was, and he literally sat in that thing. And my knee has never been extended that far. Knee bars suck. Yeah, and you know, I think Bisping even said on commentary like he knew a guy that had his stuff done like that and he was never the same and I do now kind of worry now for a guy like Mokhaev who's young undefeated and like dude <laughs> like you, you gotta I mean I'm not I'm not he won right he ended up finishing he ended up tapping nasty was, neck crank Filio is out yeah. said his name he tapped him right after that knee bar with literally one knee but as soon as the fight's over he could not walk I mean yeah. that knee is something happened yeah, he said that he heard like four clicks and then the guy looked back at the ref and the ref was like he didn't tap so he like readjusted to like a choke grip heard four more clicks and then eventually was able to get up because the guy was like i don't mean i don't know what else i can do my his body can only go back so much mm-hmm. and he ended up securing a neck crank but he also said that he knew in his head he said uh, i know um ramadan is coming up i'm gonna have time to heal Ugh. i couldn't just you know i was in london i had to mm-hmm. make i had to go for it yeah and i mean I mean, there's two sides of it. It's like, do you protect your leg or do you protect your record? Because, you know, in this business, we've seen, you know, you take a bad injury, you can get cut. But we've also seen you take one or two bad losses, the same thing. Yeah. But super tough, man. I mean, and even to get, even to be able to get up and, because he was in some like wrestling positions before he got to that neck and be able to do that on one leg is just crazy. Just makes me nervous for a guy like that who's so (laughs) young. Like, dude, don't alter your career now for that. I mean. He toughed it out, so it is what it is. Uh, boys, before we move on from UFC 286, Brandon, update us on 
our scores, all please. Right. So only a few points last last night. Yeah, it was so, a rough night for me. Yeah, so we all picked Fizeev. Um <laughs> Me and John both picked Leon. Nate, you were the one who got. Uh, yeah, you Vittori. had Vittori. So, um, all in all, we're still in the same spot. So, Nate, you got 26 points. John, you have 20, and I have 16. I got three points for Vittori, right? You had Vittori by second round. TKO, oh, that's right. So Somebody else picked. Did you pick decision? Somebody yeah, picked. John got him for three. Yeah. See, I thought, because I, I knew, I remember I remember saying, like, I like decision, but, yeah, yep. it was a good pick. Yeah, it was, Um. I, I had him for the third one. What was funny is, like, for the... Uh, editing for the Fizeev one, you said second, but I already said it, so then you just like third. So when I chopped it up for the pick video, I had to just throw in the word third oh. where you said second, so it was funny. <laughs> Boys, moving on. We keep it. This this train keeps rolling. We do have a down week coming, though. We're no mm-hmm. fights. I think mm-hmm. it's in two weeks. But this Saturday, UFC Fight Night, March 25th, from the AT&T Center in San Antonio, Texas, with a main card start time of 7 p.m. in the East, boys. And in the Bantamweight division for our main event, number three, Marlon Chito Vera versus number five, Corey Sanhagen. And boys, this is a fight that has really had all of us fight fans salivating since it was announced. And that is because these two are not just two of the top Bantamweights in the world, but also two of the funnest to watch, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marlon Chito Vera comes in riding a very strong yet impressive four fight win streak with wins over Wavy, Davy Grant, Frankie Edgar, Rob Font, and most recently. Recently, his fourth round head kick knockout over Dominic Cruz in August of last year. His opponent and former title challenger, Corey Sanhagen, is a guy who a lot of people thought would for sure be a champion when he got uh, his crack at the title. Um, He got that chance in October of 2021 on Fight Island and lost to Peter Yan via unanimous decision. Um, Then in his most recent bout in September of last year, Sanhagen defeated Song Yidong by fourth round Dr. Stoppage. After Corey landed just a nice elbow that opened a bad cut over Song's eye. And it was. It was just a phenomenal striking performance by Corey Sanhagen that night. Um, So let's start with last place. Brandon, what is your thoughts and pick for this massive main event? So every fight that Vera's in, he gets outstruck. And then he pretty much lands this one big shot, right? So (laughs) if you go back to watch the Dominique Cruz fight, I mean, he's losing that fight. And then in the fourth rounds, he lands a beautifully timed head kick. He fights Frankie Edgar. Again, he's getting pieced up the entire fight, and then he lands at a beautiful teep kick. Sure. I have a feeling Sanhagen's just going to piece him up the entire fight like everyone else has, but sure. I, I also think Sanhagen's very durable himself. I don't know if Vera's going to be able to put him out of there, and I think that's what he has to do to win. So I'm going to take Corey Sanhagen. I'm actually going to go with unanimous decision. Okay. Mm. Also, real quick, I mean, another thing you have to consider with this fight is the landscape of this division as well. I mean, we just talked about Mirab, right? And then you have Sean O'Malley, and whoever wins this fight is going to inject themselves right in with those two. We're essentially going to have a three, three-legged three horse race or whatever mm-hmm. here, right. you know, for the for a title shot. So this win is huge for either of these guys. And one of those guys might find themselves against O'Malley or Mayrob or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I feel like I've, uh, Sean had re- recently said that he would be down to fight uh, Cheeto again. Yeah, that fight. Um, that fight sells itself, yeah, I feel the like. The loss that didn't happen. There has to be a part of the UFC, though, that is like, we have got to try to hold that off for a title fight. Like, one of these guys hopefully gets to a title, and then we can do that rematch. Because, right. I mean, that just sells itself. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, that could probably honestly main event a pay-per-view. So, right. it'd be a big fight. Yeah, I mean, the more I think about this one, it's tough. Um, both of these guys are extremely powerful. Um, one thing I do like about Cheeto is not panicking in these situations. The reason he gets these big knockouts late is because he's not – forcing things and not panicking he's still setting things up and working um he does start slow though and if Corey Sanhagen can land one of those elbows or something that can really change the yeah. the landscape of this but I just feel like the way that the the confidence that Cheeto has and the way he's gotten gotten better every fight is going to show up in this one I think it's kind of his time in this division so I'm actually going to take Cheeto I will say um third round TKO 
All righty. <clears throat> yeah, both of these guys are just so well-rounded. Both are absolute assassins on the feet, and for completely different reasons. You mm -hmm. know, Corey is fast. He uses his footwork and movement, a lot like Dominic Cruz. Um, he really tries to pull guys into his dangerous attacks. He likes his flying knees, his elbows. Um, and then Cheeto is just so calculated and patient, um, but throws everything to absolutely end your life. Um, and his power, I think, is a big problem for a guy like Sanhagen, who in his last two fights, we've seen him rocked and or dropped um i do think sanhagen comes out fast and aggressive as cheeto is a guy like john said usually starts slow needs to grow into the fight a little bit um remember he was losing uh cheeto was to frankie edgar and dominic cruz mm -hmm. on, on both on in both of those fights on the judges scorecards before eventually knocking both guys out I also think we'll see Sanhagen uh, shoot very early in this fight. That's something he's been doing um, a lot recently in his last couple, even with Song Yidong. Um, but even then, you know, Cheeto is so, he has a great guard game off his back. Very active guard. Mm -hmm. You know, he's got couple submission, I think triangle armbar victories. Throws really good elbows off of his back as well. Um, and I think as this fight goes on and Sanhagen starts to carry some of that damage from Cheeto into those later rounds, especially if Cheeto can get some damage to Corey's legs, which would be smart, in my opinion, for a guy like him. Um, I believe Corey could kind of make a mistake that Cheeto can then capitalize on as he's done, like Brandon said, time and time again. I actually think decision is probably the safer call. Um, but I'm going to take Cheeto to finish this thing late. So give me Cheeto by another fourth round knockout um but i will say man i'm very fascinated to see how this matchup plays out mm -hmm. um and, and cheeto just cannot be a deer in headlights mm -hmm. for the first two rounds or sanhagen will make him pay right and could start to run away with the fight like has happened just so many times me against frankie Edgar. Oh, oh yeah <laughs> i mean yeah and that's the thing like both of these guys are just technically so good on the feet like i said it's one of those things where like I can't even fathom it, explain it, you know, mm -hmm. break it down because it's just so high level. Um, but they're fun, man. This this main event is awesome. I mean, yeah. it's just a great main event. It shows how good this division is, mm -hmm. man. Absolutely, I agree. Boys, our next featured fight in the men's flyweight division. Episode um, 125. Yeah, we didn't do that, you know. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Despite being ranked higher than his opponent, boys, Alex Perez is coming into this fight on a two-fight losing skid. Uh, both of those losses were first-round submissions to then-champion Davis and Figueiredo in their title fight and to Alexandre, Alexandre Pantoja in Perez's last fight in July of last year. Uh, so I think it is important to consider the strength of schedule a little bit there for Alex Perez. His opponent and former risen Bantamweight champion, Manel Kopp, comes into this fight on good form, riding a three-fight win streak. His last win was a unanimous decision over the number 10-ranked flyweight, David Duvorak, back in December. And the main reason uh, we chose to feature this fight uh, despite this being the flyweight division episode of the Billy podcast <laughs> um, is because we do believe um, that this probably will set one of these guys up for a title eliminator in this their next fight. So this is mm -hmm. a big fight again, like we said, but your guys' thoughts on this matchup, Brandon, take it away. Yeah, so this is one of those where for me, I, you could probably flip a coin, honestly, and I feel like it's a lot of the guys at Flyway you could do that with. Um, like you said, you got to consider the strength of schedule yeah. for Perez. I think that's it's a paramount importance, and I think the fact they're both submission losses is important too. Sure, um, I don't think Hop is quite that quite as much of a submission threat, so I think that's a little important to note. So for me, I'm going to take Perez here. Am I pronouncing that right, Perez? Yeah. Okay. Yep. I'm going to take Perez. Um, I'll, I'll take him by. See, I feel like he's got pretty good submissions as well. I'll take him by safe bet is decision. I'll say decision. Okay. Yeah, I, I think this is going to be a really good fight. I think this is going to be Cop using that length and his striking and Perez trying to kind of crowd that and use his grappling and, and just make it a dirty fight. I think we've seen Cop kind of really come into his own and, and settle in. I mean, who who has a, a crazier first two fights in the UFC with Pantoja and Matthias Nikolai? Like, yeah. those are two killers. Um, and those are the, the two guys he lost to, but... You know, Perez, his last loss being also with Pantoja and then Figueredo, he, but he's beat some really good guys as well, mm -hmm. um, kind of what you were getting to with the um, the level of opponent. But I do think that um, for Perez, this is a fight he really, really needs after coming two losses and, and kind of having a, some downtime as well. He needs to make up for some space in the division. Um, but I'm actually going to go cop here. I think Manel is going to do a really good job of staying away. And I think that he's starting. He's find, He's starting to find his confidence and his range, and and where he fits in in this division. So I'm going to take Manil Cop. I'm going to say by um, majority decision. 
Yeah, Manil Kopp is a guy that we were pretty high on from the beginning, coming over from Risen, Risen as a former champion. And then he really stumbled, like John said, out of the blocks in his first two UFC performances. You know, he was really reluctant to let his hands go. It just seemed to be kind of coasting at times. And it was frustrating to watch as a fan because you know what he's capable of, and he's capable of a lot more than what he showed. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, in his last three fights, I think he's really turned it up. You know, he can still be a bit, a bit reluctant at times and, and tends to get off to a slow start. Um, and Perez has some power in his hands as well. He has some great leg kicks as well, good takedowns. Um, so Cop has to be prepared to dance a little bit in this one because Perez is going to be in his face early. Um, but Cop is just such a great counter striker and moves so well defensively um, to some point to where I almost feel like that is a bit of the problem. I think he's just so much better in, t- in times that he just... I don't know if he gets a false sense in fights where he's like, oh, this is easy or I'm coasting. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to say compare him to Anderson Silva, but, you know, kind of like the Anderson Silva, Damian Maya, where it's like, oh, I'm just going to have fun with it. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. he's just, he's kind of just, I mean, his footwork, he's fast, man. He's really good. Um, he uh, also has some pretty decent submissions as well. Um, and that's, should be interesting if it does hit the mat there. Because right. as Brandon said, Perez really good on the ground as well. Um, not to mention, he's absolutely dripping right now in confidence and swag. I mean, you see the guy fight. He's out there showboating and doing mm-hmm. the you know dribbles between the legs. Um, so I do like him here against Perez. Um, he's going to have to be careful. He's going to have to pick his moments wisely. But he also can't just sit back and let a guy like Perez get comfortable and confident because it can turn on him really quick. Um, but let's go Manel Cop. What would you say, John? Uh, decision. I like that pick. That's what I wanted to do. Uh, let's do Manel Cop. Let's say third round submission. I like that. We'll go that. I do like decision. I think that's the mm-hmm. the play right there. Also on this card, boys, you have Holly Holm versus Yana Santos. Then you have fan favorite Nate Landwehr versus Austin Lingo, Andrea Lee versus Macy Barber, and lastly, Chitty Injikawani versus Albert Durayev. Just another stacked fight mm-hmm. night. Cannot wait. Uh, by the way, I don't know if it's worth mentioning, but Yana Santos is Yana Kunayitska. I think is how you pronounce it, but she married uh, Tiago Santos. Oh, nice. So that's why the last name changed. John, let's get into the news. Going on the news. Mm, going on the news. Mm, mm. If you don't like it, Brandon will punch you and give you a bruise. The news. All right. Conor McGregor was on Arrow Hawani's show. Um, he said, I mean, it was a, he said a lot of things, but uh, one thing I want to talk to you guys about is um, when asking about re-enrolling in the USADA pool, he said, I'm not rushing nothing. There's hurdles and whatnot, but we're in constant communication and there's an interview scheduled and a meeting happens and then it will be official. But the six months thing, what they said, it has to have two clean tests and off I go. So I assume it won't be too long. Uh, from that, USADA says, while we meet with all athletes who enter and re-enter the testing pool, we do not currently have a meeting set with Connor, and as of today, we have not received notice of him coming out of retirement to compete. The UFC rules are clear in that the additional, in addition to two negative tests, the athlete must make himself available for testing for six months before returning to competition. This is a fair way to ensure an athlete does not use retirement status to gain an unfair advantage by using prohibitive substances during the retirement period, which would enhance their performance unfairly if they they ultimately decided to return to competition. While these rules permit the UFC to make exemptions to the six-month rule in exception circumstances, um, when the strict application of the rule would be uh, manifestly unfair to the athlete, our position, which we have made clear, is that Connor should be testing in the pool for a six-month period. To which Dana White also says, I have no idea. I don't pay any attention to that. It's not my job anymore, and I'm happy to be out of it. Talk to USADA. I have no idea. I want nothing to do with the whole drug testing side of the business. It's a nightmare. So, um, either Connor's lying, USADA's lying, or we just don't know what's going to happen with this. Because obviously, Connor's saying that, oh, I have a meeting. I've talked to him. Everything's good. USADA's saying, we don't, we haven't talked to him at all. This is what we want. And Dana's saying, I, I don't know how. Do you think Dana's lying? I mean, I, that's a good way to like, pull out of it. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, it's not my job anymore. So. Mm-hmm. But I mean, with with this is coming, you know, we know that the Ultimate Fighter recording is done at this point, so we don't know if you're setting them up for the finale. Like I know they said something about September, but if he's not even in the pool yet, it'll just be interesting to see if they make the Brock Lesnar call on this. I don't think anybody's lying. I just think there's a plan in place, and there was, there had to have been before you, you know, essentially booked him and Michael Chandler to fight each other. I mean, there's nothing official with that, but I mean, that's pretty much what they're gonna do, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, I. 
just so to me it's and and it's not I don't think Connor was saying that Usada was lying. He was just saying I can go above you essentially. Right. No, <laughs> I guess I, I guess him saying, "Oh, I I talk to him all the time. I have an interview. They, I'm just going to do my two tests and I'm out." And then Usada saying, "Well, we don't talk to him. We don't have an interview. Yeah. And we want six months." And it could be a lot of miscommunication as well. Whether it's you know the conversations have only happened between the UFC and Connor, and they're like, "Yeah, you're good. We'll do this, this, and this." And mm-hmm. but maybe the UFC hasn't relayed that officially to Usada. But in terms of like where it leaves Connor's, I. Regardless of what Dana White says, I, right. I do not think there's any way if what because it's six months, right? He yeah. essentially, yeah. I mean, unless he wants to wait till the end of the year, but if Connor wants to go, they're gonna give him the Brock Lesnar exemption. I mean, right? Well, if, I think Chandler would fight him anyways. I don't think Chandler yeah, would care. Yeah, so. especially for that bag. Yeah, there's yeah. no way he's gonna say no to that either. And Connor is like extremely tested as well. I mean, I think he's gotten he said like seventy five. Yeah, tests he got the jacket for yeah. it. So like, I mean, it's and now. Did he use some stuff to get healed up? There's a big possibility there. If I'm Michael Chandler, he you're right, Brandon. He probably doesn't care, but would I want to know what's in his system? Probably. Right. So I do think he should have to submit something, but that's going to be for you know Chandler. Ultimately, I think they're just going to leave the USADA out of it mm-hmm. is what probably the plan is somehow because they can't do that exemption, but... Yeah, it's just kind of... And it, and it sets things up weirdly for, like, a TJ Dillashaw who said, you know, I'm retiring, but I still might want to come back. Sure. Darren Till, you know, yeah. retiring and wanting to get out. So it'll be interesting to see how all this kind of shakes out and if there does become a Connor rule or whatever yeah. we're talking about. Yeah, he should, like, I mean, regardless, he should have to be tested. I mean, he should not perform in a mixed martial arts fight without being tested first mm-hmm. regardless of what route they take we need to make sure that right. you know he's clean yeah so uh, also in that interview he did say that this fight will be at welterweight i know it's kind of been up yeah. in the air but i mean they pretty much have yeah. made that official uh, he also said which i thought was interesting that originally it was supposed to be nate diaz coaching against him in this ultimate fighter and he feels like the trilogy is something that definitely still needs to happen um almost almost guaranteeing that it needs to happen, um, saying that they've kind of built this up and he'd like to see that through. Sure. Um, last night, big news, uh, Anderson Silva gets announced yeah. into the Pioneer Wing, uh, joining Jose Aldo and Jens Pulver for the Hall of Fame in the UFC. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've heard us talk about how much we love him. We've heard Brandon talk about how much he's overrated. <laughs> but you can't take away from the fact that he had a the longest UFC fight streak with 16 win streak. Nobody can break 14, it, man. Yeah, it's a curse now. Everybody who's tried at this point, Izzy, Usman, and both failed on their attempt to beat it. Uh, 14 finishes tied for fourth most in the UFC. Um, he was a champion from 2006 to 2013. Yeah. Uh, couldn't be happier for him. Dana White saying Anderson Silva is one of the greatest athletes of all time. Anderson's 16-fight win streak in the UFC, 10 successful title defenses, and almost seven years as the champion is one of the most remarkable things we've ever seen in professional sports. He was an absolute artist in the octagon, and it will be an honor to induct him into the UFC Hall of Fame this summer. He's our, so, oh, go ahead. The, the video they showed for him was really, really dope. Uh, a lot of fighters talking about him. Uh, they let his son kind of talk about him toward the end. I don't know mm-hmm. if you caught that. You probably changed it because you didn't think he's that good. But. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even watch it. Yeah. So, um, what were you going to say, though, Brandon? Uh, what, uh, what part? Uh, you were just about to say something. Oh, I don't remember. Oh, no, I was just going to say he's our Michael Jordan. Yeah, for he's, sure. He's the mixed martial arts Michael Jordan. <laughs> yeah, uh, Dana um, at the 286 scrum saying that Hamzat Chamayev will be fighting at middleweight against a top-rate competitor. Um, I know we talked about not being sure where he was going to be with this, yeah. but now saying that, and you know how we were talking about earlier with Vittori, like what do you do with him? Now you do have, like, I think it's going to be yeah, Whitaker. Yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah, I think it's going to be Robert Whitaker. It, it makes the most sense, especially with the Costa fight falling through. Yeah. I would rather, I think him, Hamza and Costa would be a hilarious buildup. <laughs> Or it's Strickland or any of them, but I just don't. I think it's going to be Whitaker. Yeah. But now that just adds another wrinkle into um, some of these guys' uh, situations. And lastly, I have a fight announcement: is my boy Kai Car France will be fighting Amir Abazi uh, in a UFC event June third. Brandon, I literally told John nobody cares about that. He still read it. Does no. it surprise you? No. no, he didn't say that. That's the one he agreed <laughs> to. I said like four other ones. No, he, he turned no. it around. And I'm like, yeah, no. He but said he said yeah. He didn't say the no part. <laughs> But that's news. Song of the week in honor of us heading down to Texas, boys. I'm going to go Sitting Sideways by Paul Wall, baby. That's an all-time classic. Brandon, did you ever have a fake grill growing up? A fake what? Grill. You ever put the gum wrapper? Never. Did Bryce? No. I feel like you're lying. 
Never. Nope. Have not. <laughs> Brandon, what's your one for the people? Um. So I've. So the. Can you hear me? Am I out now? <laughs> one for the people. Get new mic cords. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we can't hear you. Well, I think that's the sign. John Kim. <laughs> All right. So um, one for the people. Uh, I I actually went and got crumble cookie last night. Oh. You guys sent that picture, so we went. We had, I'd never been. Uh. Yeah, that was a good call. That was. I'm like. I don't. I eat cookies. They're not like my favorite thing in the world. But whoa, Dude, those were a different level. It's you have no idea. I saw their lineup this week. Um, what what what, what four did you get? So we got there kind of late, so they were sold out of a lot. But we had um, there was chocolate chip. And yeah, they was, always have chocolate. That's the only one they always have. That one. There was that. There was midnight mint, and then we had cookies and cream, and oh. then the fourth was like a sugar cookie with uh, Lucky Charms marshmallows on it. It was Ooh. pretty good. Gosh, it's just yeah. so next level. So next level. It was worth the drive, though, right? At least. Oh yeah. Good, John. What's your one for the people? Oh, I, I'm staying on the train, man. Kokomo Wildcats. Yep. We're going to state, baby. Yeah. Went. We won two games last yesterday. Uh, one at 11 and one at 8 p.m. against really big competition. Uh, definitely, will be trying to go to the state game. Brandon, you're definitely going to go since we made it because that's the pack that we made. So, <laughs> super excited for them, Wildcats, baby. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, and then, t- you know, it's just fun, you know, as well, just having one of the uh, best players in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- the fact that he's a junior, man. Like I told you yesterday, he still has one more year of high school basketball. Yeah. I mean, he had 22 points or 25 points and 22 rebounds. I told John, like, who has almost just as many rebounds as points? Kevin Love for the Timberwolves. That's the only person I can go. It's crazy, man. I mean, just. And he's I, only been playing basketball a couple of years. Imagine this kid Next year, man. He won the Gatorade Indiana Player of the Year. Mm, I don't know what that is. It's it's I mean, best player in Indiana. Have you won Gatorade anything of the year? Uh, no. I yeah, don't. exactly. And Nathan's over there hoping he can be the savior for Purdue. Yeah, look, that's my one for the people. It's March. Um, I'm a Purdue fan. I've stated that time and time again on this podcast. So we got to talk about what happened Friday night because Matt Ramos <laughs> defeats <laughs> The three-time national champ, Spencer Lee, in the NCAA Finals. Um, And this is huge for Purdue Wrestling, for Mm -hmm. Matt Ramos, uh, because Spencer Lee, injured or not, is probably one of the greatest collegiate wrestlers of all time. Brandon, would you agree with that? 100%. Yeah. So, for, you know, Purdue's very own Matt Ramos on Friday night uh, to to defeat Spencer Lee um, as a Purdue fan sitting here today, just couldn't be happier for him. Didn't get it done in the finals. Fought a tough guy. Pat uh, Glory, tough match. Yeah, Pat Glory from Princeton. But, nonetheless, shout out to Matt Ramos, Purdue West Lafayette's very own. Nathan was going to wear a singlet, but it's in the dry cleaners. Oh, that'd be interesting. I do have a Purdue singlet. Did you know that? Do you really? Yeah, I, I actually mean- bought it. It's actually so... Back in the day, so I've been a Purdue fan. I don't even know if they still do this at the football games, but what they would do is outside of ross Aid Stadium, there would be a booth set up, and what happens is the athletic department, they get, like, all their old, like, jerseys and, um, like, all, all the, yeah, and they just sell it. So it was, like, their basketball jerseys from, like, the 70s, like, practice jerseys. like And, like, so me and my dad were, like, going through it, and there was a box full of old wrestling singlets from, Used like... maybe. We don't know. From, like, the 90s. From, like... Yeah, and the, I think it, it said on the box. I don't remember, but they were, like, the singlets they wore in, like, the mid-90s. And it was, like... I'm, like, why would I sit here and get a ratted old, like practice jersey with grass stains on it so i'm like i'm definitely getting one of these singlets i think i wore it for halloween was the goal Mm -hmm. do you have Um, any pictures in it uh i'm sure yeah i'm sure i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure i wore it for halloween i'm like 90 percent sure because we went like right before then and i'm like it was five bucks too yeah yeah i'll bust it out for you i'm looking forward to it it's pretty impressive i can't fit it you probably could though me yeah so that means you should mm-hmm. wear it. I Didn't would you have it. Nolan put it on one time? Mm, probably. Do something. I don't know. Probably. Maybe, maybe we'll do a training session in it. Yeah, there you go. I'm pretty sure it smells like cat pee, though. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Oops, wrong button. <laughs> <laughs> Boys, that's it. Episode 125. Come back next week. We will recap Corey Sanhagen versus Marlon Chido Vera. I cannot wait for that fight. And then we have a week off. No fights next Saturday. So we're going to play a little fun game. I don't know what the title of it. I don't know what you got. You Well, Brandon doesn't know because he didn't train this week. But John knows the game. Yeah. 
I'll be ready. John will be ready. Brandon won't. So, so we'll have a game. We'll recap the fight. And then the following week, UFC 287, John. Yes, sir. Is God Asanya. You ready? Redemption. We'll see you guys next week. Peace. Bye.